I uh, want to say happy Father's Day to you too. Uh, and we had, if you weren't here at the beginning of worship, we had some dad jokes back and forth for our countdown clock today. But some of you uh, get in a little late. I didn't want you to miss out on the dad humor on this dad day. So let's also, I didn't get as much laughter at the shirt as I thought I would. I don't know if that's a sign of your, um, maybe your actual sense of humor, <laughs> uh, but it's so good to see you. Let's celebrate dads one more time and appreciate not just the, the laughter, though we are going to talk a lot about that today, but, about, uh, but also the influence and the relationship we have, uh, and of course, the one we have with our Heavenly Father. Uh, a few points of celebration and uh, th exciting things. We had Vacation Bible School, and we celebrated that. Uh, at the beginning of worship today, but I think we have a few pictures uh, that might show some of what we had. Uh, we had a, well, or we have the, we were making waves, that's for sure. Uh, so uh, it was a great week, and last week as we were in worship, we prayed that this would be uh, a time that was an experience uh, that, you know, like the things that we might have taken for granted before the pandemic, that we wouldn't take for granted the chance to have a meaningful connection with each other and to influence and form the lives of children, and that happened. It happened in these spaces, and um, it was good. It was so good. So thank you all who volunteered and brought your kids and just the whole thing. I'm so grateful uh, for this past week, and, and um, so grateful for you. And also, we sent our senior high students on, some of them, on, our, uh, on a mission trip today. I think uh, they're going to, as, since two of my kids are going, I think, and, and I do know, that they're going to Columbia, South Carolina. But uh, we're excited about those kids, and it's, again, another thing that we wouldn't want to take for granted, that we get to go and we get to have experiences like that and, uh, that are so formative in young people's lives, teaching them the presence of God through service uh, and with each other. And so we want to pray that they have a safe and meaningful week uh, as they serve this week. So let's pray together as we start. God, I'm so grateful for the ministry that we have with students and for the many, many people who give of their time and their heart to make that happen. I'm so thankful for the gift that you have given us in the lives of young people in this church. And we steward that responsibility with hope and with faithfulness, trusting that you are guiding us to raise up a generation to know you and to, to live life different than the culture might suggest they should live. Would you watch over our students as they travel and give them safety? Would you watch over them as they serve and give them a sense that they are part of something bigger than themselves? Call them up to life with you and life with each other in your name in this time and in this week ahead. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we are in a series that is called Press Play. And throughout the summer, we are going to be kind of making connections that we might not have made before in the power of our, our time that is unscripted. Scripted and uh, you know, sort of the the what we would call downtime. We're going to see about how we might figure out that that's actually uptime. That leisure is a holy thing. And uh, throughout the series, we're going to be talking about things that you may have heard sermons on before. But I'm guessing today might be uh, a topic that you've never actually heard a sermon on. In fact, as we sort of were, said last week, even leisure itself can feel like it's almost a different part of life. Maybe not somehow integrated into life with God. 
And today's topic is holy humor, something that we might think of as on the trivial side of life. And we picked it for Father's Day because we thought it would be a fun thing to do. But what I hope when you kind of leave out of here today is that you'll give yourself permission to take humor seriously. Uh, to give yourself permission to laugh at the days to come, as we'll hear the scriptures uh, describe. And to see this as an essential part. Not a trivial part, but an essential part of your relationship with God. My friend, Pastor Wayne Hunter, uh, started every single sermon with two jokes. They didn't have to be funny. Uh, they didn't have to fit into the topic of the day. Uh, and I don't think he always did this, by the way. I think he learned this, and one of the things that was part of Wayne's experience is that he spent 10 years in hospice ministry. And he learned walking alongside people in some of the toughest, you know, in the ends of their lives and toughest parts of their lives. When you can't fix people, what do you do? Well, humor actually was one of the ways uh, that, that he learned to walk through those times with people. He would start jokes, start with jokes like, two silkworms got into a race, it ended in a tie. <laughs> or I always wanted to work at a mirror factory, I could see myself doing that. <laughs> now here's the thing, apparently only 2% of people think that pastors are funny. <laughs> uh, clearly not the case here. The question isn't actually whether pastors can be funny, but whether humor can be holy. And I think it can. I think, in fact, there's a connection between humor and joy, though they're not exactly the same thing. And we'll, we, you know, humor can be used as a defense mechanism. I'll talk about that in a second. But it also can be used in a very powerful way to connect us to joy. Joy, in this sense, is the fullness of life. It's not just happiness, though it's that. It's the fullness of life that encompasses thriving. And, um, and, and, and finding the fullness that God wants for us in Father, Son, and Spirit, joy in this sense is an attribute of the relationship that God has in Father, Son, and Spirit is part of the life of God. Joy in this sense is not something that we create. It is something that we tap into. And I would suggest that humor is a way that we tap into the joy of God. It can be a holy practice. It can be an intentional way of encountering the world that is not only about having fun, it is that, and that's fine, but it is also a holy thing, connecting us to the very joy of God. This is why the scriptures tell us, like in Psalm 118, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us, what, rejoice and be glad in it. Rejoice is sort of like a kid who has found something fun and they just wanna say, do it again and again and again and again. We somehow lose that ability as we age, but what if we cultivated it to be able to say, oh, let's do that again, or let's remember God's goodness again, or let's celebrate again. Laughter is a sign of health. It is maybe one of our truest tests of are thriving. So while a relationship with God can be a serious thing and there are serious sides of God, don't you think that sometimes we take God too seriously? That we lose out on the playfulness and the grace that comes with taking a deep breath and letting down our shoulders and just letting out a laugh. The Proverbs say a cheerful heart is good medicine. And we take that medicine intentionally. Church growth experts will tell you that the health of a church can be measured in one factor, and it is 
how much we laugh together. In the depiction of the ideal woman in Proverbs 31, we find this as well. And you, if, you know, if you've ever heard that, uh, read that scripture, or, you know, it's sometimes used even at funerals to depict the, uh, an honorable, a, a, an ideal woman, a saintly woman. This is one of the things we read. She is clothed with strength and dignity. And we don't always connect these two things, the strength part and the second part, which is the joy part. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. The invitation today is to be able to do just that to laugh at the days to come, not because we've lost our minds and our connection to reality, but because we have chosen not to be grumpy, gripey people as we go through life and as we age, finding that even the experience of our weakness and the, the things that come along in our relationships can be the source of joy, a turn that we make. This, I think, is how humor becomes holy that it is actually so needed and it's so actually so universal, which is why Nehemiah tells the people of Israel to not be lost in their grief because the joy of the Lord is our strength. My prayer is that, that the joy of the Lord would be your strength, that you would have a way to tap into that in a regular way, a regular basis, some tools that you have. So this summer, we're helping each other find that strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We're trying to tap into that strength together, which is why we chose Psalm 16 to read, read today. Psalm 16 is a psalm of trust. It's actually been called uh, and sort of functions much like a confession of faith in the Christian traditions, like, tradition, like the Apostles' Creed. Uh, it is a, a way of declaring trust in God. It is a song of confidence that our lives are full of joy when we entrust them into God's hands. And so the psalmist uh, goes through, as you, as you heard, uh, there, are some, there are some things that we might naturally rely on that aren't the source of joy, that aren't going to get us there, we shouldn't put our trust in. And then Psalm 16 makes an intentional turn toward God and uses words like portion and cup and lot and boundary lines. These are all about having a, a, a portion of God's goodness in this life. Portion in the, is the word actually that Joshua uses when the people are coming into the promised land and they're giving, given their, their, their specific part of the promise, the portion of the promise that they're given. And that land, and that's where the boundary lines, if you've ever read that psalm, like, the boundary lines fall in pleasant places for me. That seems such a strange thing to say. But what it means is I got my portion from God and look at it. Wow, it's good. The uh, psalm uses the word cup. And, uh, you know, there's another psalm that uses cup in the same way. We know as Psalm 23, my cup runs over. is about having this thing that needs to be filled and God is the one who fills, fills it. God is the one who makes us secure and that word secure itself in Hebrew is about trust. In other words, God can be trusted and that our portion and our fulfillment are not achievements that we attain to. They are gifts that we receive and they are realities that we stay connected to through intentional acts, reminding us that God is just that good. Psalms once, I'm sorry, Psalms. James 1.17 says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father 
of the heavenly lights who doesn't change like the shifting shadows. There is a need for us, to, as the shadows shift, to stay connected to the fact that God's good. And out of this assurance, we're able to live secure in our trust of God. So Psalm 1611, at the end of that passage, makes the connection. You show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And this is what we mean by joy, this fullness of life, the, the ability for God to cause us to rest secure and to laugh at the days ahead. So as we were preparing for this message, I got to thinking about the role humor has played in my life in ministry. And there are some really funny stories that have accumulated along the way. In fact, pastors will sometimes write a book about the kinds of things that have happened to them in ministry, the things that you kind of can't make up but are actually true. Uh, and I remember Doug Mosley, uh, who passed away a few years ago, wrote a book that was the stories from, from his time in ministry. And there's some really, really funny stories. There are a lot of funny stories from um, my sermons, uh, things that I said, not the things that I tried to say that I thought were funny, but the things that I didn't know uh, that I accidentally said, and it was funny. And I, some of those I can't really share in a sermon. Um, I will share with you privately if you want to know. There are a few really good stories. But mostly what I have seen is the role of holy humor in your lives. As I've walked alongside you, you all have... Uh, the church has taught me the power of this in dear people who I have known and loved. And I just want to say three things about the role of holy humor in our lives that I've seen in you and uh, to tell a couple stories along the way. The first is this. I think humor unites us in our humanness. There is so much of the human experience that is shared and there is so much of the human experience that is awkward. And there's so much of the human experience that is awkward that we, that we share. Humor helps breaks, break down all those sort of uh, accumulated things that maybe become divisions for, for us and helps us stay connected to our humanness and our humility, which are you know, the same root, root word. Humor, humility, humanness. So much of the, the funny things that happen to us are universal. They help us understand each other. For example, one of the funniest things that has ever happened to me in church, and that, I mean, I've been in a lot of church services, happened when our kids were little. We were invited to do the Advent reading at Settle Memorial United Methodist Church when I was Kentucky Wesleyan campus pastor, so I was not preaching every Sunday. We went to church like normal people, like you. Well, sort of normal. And um, our kids were young, and they asked us to do the Advent reading. So you know how this goes. You sort of dress them all up, and you've got little ties and, and things. The boys were, it was Luke and Isaac at the time, before Sarah Grace, before we, right before we came here. And um, when we got there, our pastor Greg, who I love, is a good friend of mine, but he's sort of, sort of uh, you know, fly-by-night kind of guy. So we had one plan going in, and we changed the plan. So we got there, and he said, hey, listen, we're going to do the Advent reading after the sermon. And I didn't think that means I've got to keep my children entertained through the whole service, and they weren't used to that, and my boys were all real active, and it was, a, 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 it was not fun, actually. It was, a, it was a, a wrestling match, and we were just trying to keep Isaac especially just entertained however we could, which meant we, we emptied out all the food, all the juice, everything in the diaper bag went into his body. <laughs> Cheerios, you know, just all of it. 
We made it to the end of the sermon. It's time for the Advent reading. And I'm holding Isaac here, and I had the microphone here, and I was, was doing the reading. Well, what happened when Isaac sat straight up with his belly full of all these things? Stuff started moving around, and I heard a little gurgling. And then, and then, in like the, the perfect pause, I, was, I, I said something and I stopped. And that child let out the largest man belch <laughs> right into the microphone. It echoed off the walls. I mean, people were like wiping their eyes and wiping their noses and falling over. I felt him deflate, you all. It was, it was, <laughs> and I, it was one of those moments where we didn't know if we were going to be able to recover and, and go on with the service. At the time, I'll admit, it didn't feel like a holy moment. But looking back on it, I think it was just that. You know, there's such a grace uh, through humor that I've seen in our people, and especially as people age and as they have to deal with tough realities, you find people joking about all kinds of things that you wouldn't think they would joke about. Uh, one of those is funerals. One of my favorites, uh, Gene Vaughn, would say to Lois Dean Tigert, Lois Dean has gone on to be with the Lord, Gene uh, would go up to her and he would start out the conversation this way, hey, Lois Dean, I'm going to bring onions to your funeral to make sure somebody cries. <laughs> That's savage, isn't it? <laughs> Woo. Just go, go right to it. Goodness. Comedian Owen Benjamin has a special on one of the streaming services, and he begins his uh, comedy uh, this way. He says, our divisions aren't real. I don't know if you've, if you've heard it said exactly that way. Our divisions are not real. We make up reasons to be divided, but the truth is we're not nearly as separate as we act like we are. So theologically, we would say that the, the most real thing about us is not our division, but what unites us. Our unity through Christ is the most real thing, the most important thing. We are united in our shared bearing of the image of God, in our shared need for God's redemption, in our shared experience of the Father, Son, and Spirit, which is our source of joy. And humor helps us tap into that humanness. One of my favorite sayings is we don't become more spiritual by becoming less human. And this is the very reality that Jesus entered into when he came to us. The second thing I would say about humor is that I think it helps us risk meaningful connection. That a, a huge part of relationship is, is accomplished this way, through letting down our guard with each other. Through humor, we let down our guard and let each other in. I remember some years ago, I wanted some feedback on my preaching. I asked a few people in the church who I respected uh, to just listen to sermons and take, take down notes and give me some thoughts, and we, we talked a few times. And, uh, you know, there's, that's a little bit of a vulnerable thing. I didn't expect anyone to say, yeah, you should quit and hang it up now. It's awful. I didn't expect that. But... Nevertheless, you know, you don't know what anybody might say. And that was kind of the point. I wanted to hear from a perspective that I just never would have thought of. And so Christine Souders is here this morning, and um, I told her I was going to share this. She, um, she w did that for me. And um, when we sat down, I had no idea what she's going to say. And here's what she said. 
She said, you're funny. <laughs> Thought, where's this going? She said, but you need to laugh at your own jokes. And I thought, that is the weirdest thing for anybody to say. And then she continued, because you need to let us in into that moment. You need, she didn't say this, but she was saying you need to take the risk to be vulnerable with us. And we need to stop and enjoy ourselves. And here's, here's what I reflected on after she said that. You know, what I was trying to do with humor was a bit of a defense mechanism. I was trying to make a joke so that you would, you would know how smart I was and how clever I was and to move on as if it was like not even funny because that's how funny I am. And that, and that was just bypassing the, the communal moment together. Humor can do this, can it? It can be our defense mechanism that keeps people at a distance or, or it can be the source of connection with each other that is so powerful. And we give each other a gift when we take the risk. And sometimes my jokes are not gonna be funny and you're gonna stare, stare at me, and I'm gonna feel like I bombed, but the risk is worth it. And sometimes we're gonna have to open up to each other, and it's not gonna, it's gonna be scary. Humor can be our defense mechanism or it can be our point of connection with each other. So this is what Christine said, give us the privilege of laughing with you. I would invite you to feel the same way about the people in your life. Give them the privilege of laughing with you. Choosing to risk meaningful connection is a gift of grace, which is why when we truly connect with each other, there is always laughter. Several years ago at our annual conference meeting, we were having so it was sort of downtime. You know, we go to uh, we have people go to an annual meeting who watch over the ministry of the state uh, of, the, of the church in, uh, in the United Methodist Church in Kentucky, and we have meetings and we have votes and we have you know, reports and celebrations. But we also have time when we go eat. And then uh, we went to Covington, uh, Kentucky, for several years to do this. And we had certain places that we always went, and we went to Grater's Ice Cream. Have you ever had? Talk about holy things. Have you ever had Grater's Ice Cream? Goodness. And so one year, about it was actually 11 years ago this summer, we were sitting there, and Pastor Rick and Ron Hansen and Jeremy Vincent were on a bench. And somebody said, hey, it looks like hear no evil, speak no evil, see no evil. And I said, yeah, we got to get a picture of that. So we did. And that's it. Uh, Rick has the same amount of hair. Ron has the same amount of hair. Jeremy's hair is completely different color now. So, um, so we were in Covington some years later, I think it was five or six years later, and doing the same thing, we'd gone to eat someplace and went to Grater's Ice Cream, and we were at a, I think, I don't know if it was the same one or not, but um, here we were, three people on a bench again, and I said, look, and it, we had talked about this picture so much that it, um, it reminded me of it, and was, I said, let's do it again, and so this is the next version of it. Elise Coleman and Laura Vincent and Megan Davidson. If you look up in the window, you can see me take the picture. We just don't know, do we, when those connections are going to mean something to us in a different way later on. Uh, I told Laura, I, there was another picture I took of her and Megan in their robes uh, one day in my office. They were just smiling so big. And I said, it's such a weird experience to be the guy who took that picture. And it's such a gift uh, to 
have been the guy that took that picture, for sure. Because those connections are more important than we often realize, and humor, laughing, can be more of a, a source of the real joy that we've all been looking for than we probably give it credit. It is a holy, holy thing. Brene Brown has said, laughter is a spiritual form of communing, communion. Without words, we say to one another, I am with you. I get it. Finally, humor equips us to navigate life's challenges. There is something in us that feels like maybe when things are hard, we shouldn't laugh, or when other people are going through things, we shouldn't laugh. And my experience watching you and having done this and walking alongside people through some tough stuff for my whole adult life, adult life is, I wanna give you permission to have joy in the midst of your sorrow. Because the two things are not mutually exclusive, joy and grief. I think, and I've come to believe they're part of two, the same thing. They are two sides of the same coin, which is love. And if you love well, you're going to end up with both. And the people that I know that have done life well have made that connection, and it flips back and forth, grief and joy. Humor connects them, and it's, it, it, it may seem weird, and people will say, I don't know why I'm, I feel weird like joking right now, but it's okay and actually good. Humor equips us to navigate life's challenges. It's been said, against the assault of laughter, nothing can stand. And I've seen that to be true. One of my favorite stories was, um, of this is when Tommy Shores was dying, and um, his grandkids were at VBS this week. Tommy w became a good friend. He showed up at one point when we were selling watermelons for a fundraiser or whatever, 14 years ago, 13 years ago, uh, and we became friends and then got to know them, and they kind of came into the church more, and then they started serving communion, and then Tommy got cancer, and he walked through the cancer journey, and I would visit him every once in a while, and the last time I visited him was in his, uh, his home. They had pulled in a hospital bed into the, right there in the middle of the living room to care for him. And it was one of the most tender pastoral visits I've, I've ever had. Uh, he asked me to sit up on the side of the bed and we told stories and we laughed. And then he was the one who kind of took the intentional step and said what he thought about me. And I said what I thought about him and we were kind of wiping tears. It was, it was just precious, it was a tender moment. And I got up to leave, I'd been there for probably an hour, I got up to leave and as I stood up, I heard him behind me say these words. Somebody check his pockets to make sure he didn't steal something. <laughs> I love that guy. Desmond Tutu writes this, it helps no one if you sacrifice your joy because others are suffering. We people who care must be attractive, must be filled with joy so that others can recognize that caring, that helping, and that being generous are not a burden. They are a joy. Give the world your love, your service, your healing, but you can also give it your joy. This, too, is a great gift. So when Pastor Wayne passed away, uh, Pastor Wayne, who had started every sermon with us with two jokes, whether they were funny or not, whether they connected to the material or, or not, uh, he actually gave us a list of jokes that he wanted to be shared at his funeral. It was his best of list. That's a... That's an expression maybe used loosely, best of. They were, they were the worst of the dad jokes. 
and uh, some of you might have been at his funeral. What we did was that was the, the role the staff played. We would do a, something and then sort of an interlude, three of our staff members would come up and they would share some of Pastor Wayne's jokes and we laughed and we groaned and it was holy. I want to invite you to do the same kind of thing in your life. And I don't know what that means. There are you know, all kinds of different senses of humor, but that sense of humor is a gift from God to be used for God's purposes to bring joy into your life and to, to the life of others. May you laugh at the days that are to come. May you find that you are rejoicing because this is the day that the Lord has made and you can simply rejoice and be glad in it. May the joy of the Lord be your strength. We're going to continue in prayer. I'm going to invite the musicians forward. And we are going to, uh, in this series, uh, tap into the thing that we've talked about. We're going to take a moment to do the thing rather than uh, wait till tomorrow. But I hope you will take this into tomorrow. And each Sunday, we're going to invite you to take a deep breath in and breathe out and to rest in the presence of God, to focus our attention on the one who is trustworthy, who is our source and our ultimate source of joy. So we're going to sing, and we are, then I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to actually read Psalm 16 uh, for us again meditatively. Uh, this is called Lectio Divina. I'm going to read it slowly and invite you just to hear God speak to you, what God wants to say to you in that moment, and to pick maybe a phrase that stands out that you want to hold on to, and you might write that down or take it with you. As we remind ourselves that God is the one who is worthy of our trust and that when we entrust our lives into his hands, there is the fullness of joy. So let's sing and let's pray together. And turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look for Psalm 16, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure 
because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. invite the ushers uh, for her as we prepare to give and as we give I would love for us to recover or discover the sense of joy that comes through giving and to do that perhaps not in the way that every uh, some other tr traditions do but you know in other traditions the offering time is a time of, of, of coming down and parading down the aisles and and celebrating and dancing uh, we're not going to do that today uh, but wouldn't it be great if we could each week tap into the source of joy that comes when we realize, as Desmond Tutu said, that this thing that we're doing is not a burden. Giving to one another and being in community with one another is the great source of joy as we connect to God and, and to one another. So I invite you to give joyfully, and as you do, remember that our dollar difference offering this month is the International Center, and I think we have a few pictures from World Refugee Day, or it should be in there. Uh, there we go. Yesterday, as we ha had people painting faces, and you know what they were doing? They were painting the, the flag, very often, of the person, uh, home, their home country uh, on them. I heard that that was the hop tent at the at the deal yesterday. So, um, so grateful for those who served there and for the chance to serve refugees in our city. We also have, I know at least two people in our congregation who are mentoring through the International Center an, uh, an Afghan refugee family. And um, I've heard from both of, of them, both of those ladies, that it is a big commitment. And I'm so grateful for people who are doing those kinds of things and for all of us as we support those people in our community who would fall into the category of the widow, the orphan, or the stranger, scripturally, and as we welcome them into life here and, and, uh, and do life with them together. So uh, let's pray together, and let's prepare to give joyfully. God, we are so grateful that you've called us, people like us, to be drawn into your great purposes in the world, to connect with one another, and to discover the innumerable possibilities all around us 
in the people around us, in these moments that you have given us. In this moment, we give with joy, thankful that you have asked us and that you privilege us to walk alongside you in the redemption of the world, that we ourselves would be caught up in that redemption and that generosity of spirit that you pour into us becomes our way of life as we pour it out to those around us. May that be our joy and may the joy of the Lord be our strength. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.